We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 41 today, and this is all about Edward Partridge being called as the first bishop. And um, remember, the Lord compares him to Nathaniel of old without guile. His heart is pure and just desires to do good things. And one of the things that I loved as I read and studied for this is he wrote a letter to his wife. And one of the things she, he said was, I fear my station is above what I am to perform to the acceptance of my heavenly father. Pray for me that I may not fail. And that just was so touching to me. His That truly is Nathaniel, right? Such a desire to do what the Lord would have him do and such an awareness of his own weaknesses. And um, just this constant striving to be right with God. And that's just beautiful. He is the bishop for nine years. We're a 10-month-old church at this point. He dies in 1840, so nine years later. And, and his family really believe, his daughter said, that he exhausted himself in the service of God. And I had said he had five daughters. He had four daughters and one little son. And then eight months after he passes, the Lord reveals in, in revelations, in doctrine and covenants, that he is with him. He is with the Lord. And so truly such an example to all of us. If our desire is to truly strive to be who the Lord needs us to be, to put him first, to be like Nathaniel, no ulterior motives, not trying to fit him to what we want, but truly our desire is to be who God wants us to be then then is the reward we get to be there it's not that we become perfect it's not that we become without faults it's that we are perfect in striving and that God recognizes our desires and our desires really are one with his sons and that is to serve him to do his will and to bring others into the church and so I love that Okay, so we're going to start um, in verse 1. It says, and in this sentence really stood out to me. So if you go, hearken and hear, O my people, saith the Lord, whom I delight to bless with the greatest of blessings. And again, they don't know, but the temple's going to be coming. Ye that hear me. Okay, here's the sentence. And ye that hear me not will I curse, that have professed my name with the heaviest of all cursings. And the thing that really struck me in that is the Pharisees and the Sadducees and just such hypocrisy. God cannot, he is, Christ is so forgiving and loving. But when you are a hypocrite and you say you're searching for him and you're striving to follow him and he's right in your midst and you don't recognize it. And not only that, you, you, declare it's of Satan, that is such hypocrisy that you have put yourself or other people, your popularity, your the praise of man before him. So that really stood out and it really goes with verse five. It, we'll just jump there now. He that receiveth my law and doeth it, the same is my disciple. He that saith he receive it and doeth it not. The same is not my disciple and shall be cast out from among you. And I just think it's so much like that slothful servant scripture that we have in DNC that says that they have to be commanded in all things. Just do it. And President Kimball was famous for that saying, just do it. And it's 
Um, I remember hearing him say that and smiling since that was Nike's um, theme. But that's, it's just so simple. When you say you're going to follow me, do what I ask. It really isn't complicated. When it says it's a straight and narrow path, it's because it isn't winding. It's not tricky. It's been the same path that's been laid out straightforward from the beginning. Okay, verse 2. Hearken, O ye elders of my church, whom I have called. I give you a commandment that you assemble yourselves to agree upon my word. And one of the things I love is that God has set up a system of councils. And there's such um, confidence that we can have in a church that has to agree. That we have 15 men that have to come to common consent before they ever unveil it to us. And they really, I just love that, that there is such security in knowing that we are a church of councils and that no one is always right. And I love that thought. Wouldn't it be sad if we all thought the same way? It's such a security to know that the prophet is the mouthpiece of God and he has, he has through God's direction, called all of these wise, incredible men to surround himself with, to counsel him and lead him to the Lord's wisdom and instruction for the church. And I love that. Okay. Um, and the prayer of your faith, verse three, you shall receive by the prayer of your faith, you shall receive my law. And the thing I have there is again, they didn't have to pray for every little thing. They moved forward in faith, trusting God would direct them. A slothful servant has to be commanded in all things. They moved forward, trusting God would guide them. That's the faith. And that he would hedge up the way if it wasn't right. And so I love that because we can move forward. They have said, sometimes you have to take a foot, a step into the darkness. You just proceed. We know what no feels like. And it's that wrong turn that um, Elder Holland did. The church did that video of him and his son going. And as they were returning, they came to a fork in the road. And they prayed and decided to take the one. And it ended very quickly. And the son said, why would God have us do that. And, and Elder Holland said to his son, so that we knew very quickly it was the wrong road. And I love that. He hedges up the way for us. And it's easy to tell when the answer's no. And, and we get good at that, right? As we grow up and pray about things. And hopefully we teach our kids to get really good at that. Okay, verse four, and I will be your ruler when I come and I come quickly. And you shall see that my law is kept. He is our ruler. And what struck me so much about this is this is not President Nelson's church. This is not Prophet Mormon's, Moroni's church. This is God's church. And the prophet is his mouthpiece. We are preparing the world and preparing the church for his coming so that he can step right in and rule. And none, none of that will be shocking. None of that, that will be an adjustment. Just as we move from one prophet to the next, he will be the one who steps in. And none of that will be a big shakeup for us. It will be how it has always run. And I love that. Um, I love that we have that confidence that he is the one directing. And that's why President Nelson felt so strongly to change, to really do this big rebranding. We've always been the Church of Jesus Christ, but to make sure we don't allow our nickname, the Mormon Church, to override that. So people make no mistake whose church this is. And that's been an incredible thing. Okay, verse 6. It is not meat 
that the things which belong to the children of the kingdom should be given to them that are not worthy. And the thing that I thought of here is we are accountable for the things that we are taught. So it isn't that, I mean, it can sound so harsh. Do not cast your pearls before swine. Um, what it really means is make sure that they're seeking for those truths and for those covenants and for those things, because then they're accountable. So we have, and it says that in the scriptures, for those that we are over, we have an obligation. Bishops have an obligation to make sure we as members of the church take the sacrament worthily. And they can come under condemnation for not making sure. And so Really, it is that we have to make sure that we hold things sacred. It isn't that they're secret, they're sacred. And we don't want people accountable for things they're not ready to receive. Okay, um, verse 7. It is neat that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. should have a house. Um, I love that he said, okay, um, now it's time for you guys to build him a house. He's asking the church. This is not him building it or providing it is the church. Um, and the thing that struck me of that is what a blessing for these people to be able to serve Joseph Smith, who has done so much to serve them. That is on purpose, I believe, in sacrificing and really um, recognizing who, how much Joseph Smith does. And that because he is so busy serving them, they need to build him a house. So I love that. Okay, jump to verse 9. This is what it all centers around. And again, I have called my servant Edward Partridge and given him a commandment. He should be appointed the voice of the church and ordained a bishop to leave his merchandise and spend all his times to labor in the church. And the thing that I really thought about that is um, how similar this is to the prophet Joseph Smith. I just thought, holy cow, no one else um, that I can think of has had to rely so much on God's inspiration and personal revelation to guide things, to correct things, to run things smoothly. He's going to have people questioning the way he's doing things. He's going to wonder if he's doing them correctly. He's going to have all kinds of arguments as he has to make sure people are given for their wants and their needs. Um, the bishop's storehouse as he runs it. He is running imperfect people like Joseph Smith is and he's over their needs. And I just thought, man, that was a heavy, heavy load. And it really, really struck me. He is second to the prophet Joseph Smith in this weight that is upon him. And it's interesting because the prophet Joseph Smith wears him out and himself out in service as well. And if you go back to section 36, verse 2, it says, And I will lay my hand upon you by the hand of my servant, Sidney Rigdon. And this is to Edward Partridge. And you shall receive my spirit, the Holy Ghost, even the Comforter, which shall teach you the peaceable things of the kingdom. That is all so important for this, because now you are bishop, you have the Holy Ghost, you have my spirit's guidance. I will teach you the peaceable things, the things that make it work that help avoid contention. And what a heavy, heavy load. But he is to work so closely with God. And it says in verse 10, to see to all things, it shall be appointed unto him in my laws in the days I give them. And he is just working very, very closely with God. Okay, and then in, in 11 is the Nathaniel, no guile. And isn't that so awesome that he knows that um, this man's heart is so pure. God knows our desires. 
And then in verse 12, these words are given unto you and they are pure before me. Wherefore, beware how you hold them, for they are to be answered upon your souls in the day of judgment. Okay. And I just love that he is called to be an agent. He is called to be a director. He is called very much like the prophet Joseph Smith. And it is because of his humility and because of his heart. And it's so neat to read about this man with these five children. And as he writes to his wife, Lydia, and how she willingly gives up everything with him. In fact, she's the one who really encourages. And I believe behind every great man, there is a really phenomenal woman with such great faith and and it's just beautiful to read and one of the things is it talks about this hypocrisy of um do what i say and when you commit to do it don't back out we talked about in our family scripture study come follow me this has come right after james Covell and how he didn't he said he would but he didn't and how sad that is but also you've got Copley, who donates 700 plus acres for the church to move to Ohio, and then reneges, comes back and says, never mind, I want it back. And so it is foreshadowing for all who come forward and say they're ready to covenant, just you better be ready to obey. If you're going to say you are, the Lord loves an honest, without guile heart that is all in. And that's what this truly represents. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know how much our Savior loves you.